3: Welcome to Stumps, Umps and Beer Pumps, a podcast for you, the players, supporters and the hard-working volunteers that make a glorious game from the lowest to the highest levels in the UK and beyond. We at Stumps, Umps and Beer Pumps have now teamed up with Derbyshire County Cricket Club to promote cricket at all levels across the county and wider regions. I'm Rick, I'm here with Ian, Richard and Neil as we take you on a journey around our home here at Winsell Cricket Club in Burn-on-Trent. On this podcast we'll keep you updated on all the goings-on here at Winslow Cricket Club and we will also be answering all your questions and inviting you, the listener, to send in all your stories from around the cricketing world. We will of course have a special guest coming with their view from Cow Corner with all their stories, ideals and anecdotes. So, let's get started and bring you up to date with the goings-on at Windsor Cricket Club, the little club with a big personality. Stones. So, welcome to another episode of Stump Sumps and Beer Pumps. We're taking a cue from the GOAT series this episode, and we've got a, uh, dare we say, legend of Winsor Cricket Club with us this time. So, in Cow Corner, with Neil and myself, we've got an old captain, player, now scorer, club chairman, and a long, long time stalwart of the club, Richard Marser. So, I think without further ado, I think we should go straight into Cow Corner with the man himself. Hello, son. How did the game go? It was okay, but I broke my bat. Can I get a new one? You've done what? Broke your bat? Oh, that's just great. How am I going to afford to get a new one now? I just haven't got that kind of money.
1: Why don't you try Village Cricket?
3: Village village who?
1: Village Cricket. They have a range of bats and they are a fraction of the price of other brands. Very good bats as well. Some from our club have got their bats. Very good quality and very good prices. And they don't just do bats, they do all the equipment you need, all for the same great price. Well, that
3: sounds great. I'll have to have a look. Sounds just what I need. Thanks. The Village Cricket Company stock a wide range of cricket equipment for every age group, all without the usual high price tag. Visit them now on www.villagecricket.co and on checkout use promotion Stumps 10 for a further 10% discount. The 10% discount only applies to the product purchase and not the shipping charge, which is a standard £5 per order. Villagecricket.co aim to dispatch all orders within 24 hours, so you should receive your order within 2-3 to three working days. For more information, visit www.villagecricket.co. This promotion expires 30th September 2023. Visit villagecricket.co for all your cricketing needs villagecricket.co
1: Right, slightly different plan of attack for this episode of Stumps. Rick and me are playing Question Master while fellow podder Rich Marcer is in the hot seat. Better known as Mars, and no doubt a few other names. We're going to find out how he got where he is today. With over 3,500 play cricket runs, Mars sits 7th in the batting charts. One measly wicket and 48 catches. It's more than that. I have no doubt we'll find out <laughs> later on. Yeah. How many more we missing? I think you will. <laughs> Rubbish. I, should, I, should, I should swear, really. Uh, first team skipper for a number of seasons, the most successful captain after Jonesy. Oh, my I don't God. know if that's true, but I, I find that a bit funny anyway. <laughs> uh, now chief scorer and chairman of the club. Without further ado, over to Car Corner with me and Rick for the Clumbo-style
2: questions.
3: There you go. Welcome, Rich. Yeah, thanks, lads. It's good and to have you on. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking
2: forward to it. To be honest with you.
1: Oh yeah, I see you've got your notes. Know, what we're <laughs> going to ask you. Well,
2: I like to be prepared. You know what I'm You're like, chairman of the board. Yeah. Organis- <laughs> organization is the key.
3: So we're going to start then, obviously. Oh. Play cricket. Yeah. What do you think you should have?
2: Well, I've got to be careful here, but what have we got now? Three and a half thousand. Three and a half like. thousand. Well, I have given it some thought since uh, I knew you were going to ask me this, and I always go on about it, but I think all when all said and done, I've probably realistically got about 20 years missing. Right. Because play cricket started in, what, 2001? 2002, two? yeah. And I, st- I started playing, my first game was about, proper senior game was about 1981-82. So I reckon... 4,000? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon being wickets. conservative, <laughs> yeah, two wickets probably, and uh, I reckon probably seven and a half to 8,000 runs, wow, to you, be fair. You doubled up then. But if you think about it, somebody like Terry Mason, who's got nothing on play cricket apart from the last couple of years, he'd be up in twelve, thirteen, fourteen thousand. 14,000. So I guess it would put me about a third or fourth on the all-time list behind Eddie and Westy, and if Terry was on there, Terry as well. It's only fair to mention Terry.
3: Well, it actually brings me on quite nicely then. I was going to say to you, obviously you've played, you've been at Winslow for how many years you've been at Winslow now? Uh,
2: 32, this will be the 33rd season. I joined Winslow at 25. Before that, I was at SWAD Cricket Club, back in the good old days uh, on Eureka Park. Um, I joined SWAD in 1990, uh, sorry, joined Winslow, in 1990, uh, and I've been there, been there ever since, so
3: 30, 33 years this year. So, in them 33 years, then who's the best players that have come, been and gone? Oh,
2: God, you've gone straight into it now, yeah, Best so. players
3: you've played with?
2: Best players I've played with obviously Terry Mason, uh, Eddie is right up there, obviously. The first person I probably ever met at Winslow apart from Kettle was uh, Westy. Who I've had the pleasure of being friends with for a long, long time. We've had some great uh, japes down the years, uh, but also you know playing with Westy as well, uh, it's been great. And it, when I first started at he only played Sundays, which I think he alluded to in one of the previous pods. But uh, another great friend of mine, Dan, the years was Alan George, absolutely fantastic bloke, and it was a great sad loss when we lost Alan. Uh, who passed away actually on the field of play, playing for the seconds. But what a lovely bloke. I loved Alan to pieces. And uh, it looks like we're going to get his son David back playing uh, this coming year. So that'll be a bit of a circle yeah. that completes. But, yeah, there's been some other good characters. Uh, people like, you know, going back to Derek Rankin back in the day. Uh, fiery character, but, uh, you know, on his day he could be brilliant. And then you look at the other people like, Keith Goodin and John Clarke would bat for forty-five overs for forty-five runs, and you know Keith Goodin batting with about six pound fifties worth of ones and twos in his <laughs> pockets, and you just call him jackpot. And then all the players that have come and gone. Obviously, uh, the man sitting next to me, Neil Winfield. Where have I gone? Well, <laughs> he's he's been honestly one of my best mates down the years at Winslow. Funniest bloke I know, and uh, he's a he's a brilliant cricketer, and he loves the game. He, he he gets so you know into it and uh, hates missing games. So sorry, Joe, if you keep taking into these oh, okay. shows in London. She listen to this anyway, so you no, no. <laughs> <laughs> And then other people like Steve Jackson, Australian lad who played for Windsor. He could smash a ball. Oh, I could go on forever. Anthony Adams, Fester, Dave Taylor, Kamal, obviously. Um, Clark, a good lad. I like Clark and He's done a great job as captain. Probably the best wicketkeeper in the league, uh, Sam Wood, most natural keeper I've, I've seen. And other people like Meller, Ian Meller, who's just funny as, and he's doing a great job with the juniors now. And I uh, probably missed somebody off here, but finally I'd just you know probably say someone like Mick Causer as well, because people forget that Mick played for the club. He yeah. was a wicketkeeper back in the day for the seconds, but more importantly he's been our groundsman for God knows how many years, and I've got huge respect for the man. I, I I love him to pieces, and what what he does for our ground when people walk on our ground and see that see the club looking like it does, it's it's fantastic. So why would you why did you pick Winslow after the luxury of Eureka Park? What was the reason behind <laughs> Winslow? Blimey! Well, I became I started playing at uh, Eureka Park when I was about 17, 16, 17. Made my debut there. It was the old Burton League. um... In fact, I think it was the old Derby County League back in the day, and then we joined the Burton League. And uh, quite, quite quickly, uh, I've always loved organising, and I, I became captain quite quickly. I, I was captain of Swadling Swad, um at the age of 21, and very quickly I started doing everything. So I was doing the ground, I was doing organising the tees, and by the age of 25, it was just getting too much. So I went to a meeting one day and I just thought, I've had enough. I need to just go and play cricket somewhere. I knew John Kettle has been a mate for many years since uh, we are about eight or nine or something like that. And uh, I rang him up and said, I went to so looking for any players. Went to Nets, got peppered by Tim Ains in the Nets and uh, made, me, made me debut for the first team. In them days, you had to wait to get the newspaper on a... I think it was a Friday night to see if you were in the team. You'd be used to pick the teams on a Wednesday, drop them off at the Burton Mail office. No internet, no phones, no nothing. And then you bought the Burton Mail on a Friday night and uh, you realised you was in the team. When I saw I was in the first team, I was absolutely made up, to be honest with you, because Winsor was a bit of a step up. Were they short? Yeah, I think they must have been short, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't think I got many runs on my, on my debut, to be honest with you, but that's how I started.
3: Um, was your debut the debut with the first team as well or did you play a bit before? I played
2: on a Sunday, bef- I think that was my first ever game and I think I got triggered by Don Middleton who was the chairman at the time and he also was, was standing as umpire and uh, I think he gave me out LBW, which I was never out to be honest with you but Don was such a, a gentleman, you're never arguing with Don he's a lovely bloke but uh, yeah, so my first game was on a Sunday, I think it was probably at Ticknell uh, and that's where I met Westy for the first time and uh, we just hit it off uh, he's just a great bloke, Nigel I've always had a, you know, close affection with Nigel and uh, yeah, and, and my brother as well, Tim. He, he became mates with Nigel when Tim moved from Swad, left-arm bowler and right-handed batsman. He was a good player. Tim was, and the three of us knocked about together. Stumps, bumps, bumps. So, what
1: would you say your favourite game you've been involved in for Winsor? <sighs> I think he's
2: going to ask me this now. I think you probably know the answer. My favourite game was um, we played Medina. 2005, I think it was, and um, Kamal was actually playing on the opposition, so he was playing for Medina, and uh, Nigel was captain of the club, but he was away, I think he was on holiday or something, and Aidy Jacks was captain, he lost the toss, Medina uh, decided to bat, and um, they ended up, I think, in fact I know, they ended up with 230-odd. Um, been, did
1: anyone take any wickets that day?
2: Uh, no, probably you did, to be honest well, I with I think i got mean, four wickets. Y- it doesn't, <gasps> get men- this gets, doesn't get mentioned in this yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you got 50, uh, four, wickets, four wickets for 50-odd, I yeah, think yeah. you got. So, But um, anyway, um, Medina got 230-odd. Uh, in response, we collapsed, basically. Um, I went in about number five, six, something like that. And uh, wickets were tumbling around me. Me and Shaft. Uh, Put a few runs on for one partnership, but then at one stage, chasing two, three, four, we were 148 or sorry, 141 for eight, and it looked doomed to be honest with you. Uh, I I kept all the time, though, I kept thinking we can win this, we can win this. And Kamal was bowling, dunk came to the crease, and uh, to be honest with you, we we ended up you know, we won the game in the last over, it was absolutely amazing, you know, we won. Um, I think we needed 10 or more off the last over, I ate the first ball for six, Kamal straight back over his head, then I think I ate a single, I left Dunk on strike, and we needed, I think there was a wide, so I think, off about two or three balls, we needed, I don't know, just one or two runs to win, and we scrambled a, a single, and uh, Dunk dropped it at his feet, kicked the ball away, kick it, yeah. kicked the ball away, and uh, everybody came charging, and I dive full length, and uh, we won it was it was a miraculous game i ended up with 86 not out and it was probably my best performance to be honest with you it, it you know it's, it was one of them games where i think we've heard people on the pod say this before but where you just everything clicks you know you're in a like a, a bubble and you just you seem for sometimes you just seem invincible and it just for that moment felt like it was me and uh, dave taylor were sat
1: down in the white, the white picket fence, yeah, Down yeah. Back, we
2: were sat on the bench there. I remember,
1: yeah, and We could see it happening. Like, and then when we, when we won, we like ran on the pitch. And it's probably a bit like <laughs> for the older
2: generation, but like David Pleet, we're yeah. we going
1: skipping and uh, jumping
2: on, like on the pitch. It's, like. it's just a you know, when you get moments like that in cricket, it makes all the other crap that you put up with you know, the ducks, the bad decisions, um, the bad weather, the you know, the, the cr- rubbish. Innings that you play, it, games like that, you live for games like that. And you know, when they do come along, you have to cherish them because, you know, this it was something else that was. It's not my high score, but it was my, probably my best innings, to be honest with you.
3: Were you captain then,
2: or no? I've I, I said Westy was captain. I think it, it was um, he would taken over because Westy's dad was captain back in the day, and um, jo, uh, John John was captain uh, before I joined the club, and then Westy took over. I guess around about 2003, something like that. Uh, but he was away that day, and I say Eddie Jacks was standing skipper. And, uh, yeah, it, we hadn't won many games that season, to be honest with you. And uh, I think everybody was quite pleased <laughs> that we'd it, uh, it actually uh, won. And Kamal was very gracious, you know, I think. Uh, he, he still mentions it to me now, every now and again. Well,
1: I think he, he bowled, he into, he's bowled quite yeah, sharp. He yeah, was he was, yeah, he? he was
2: a good bowler. He always has been, you know, He's, he's and he's adapted to the way he is now bowling spin, so uh, yeah, it was a great day. I remember it very well. I think what we'll do, we'll tweet the link out to the uh, the wrist, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to show people. It was it was incredible, really. 141 for eight to 235. You know, off with three balls to go. I think there was.
1: And the best thing was, Dunk weren't even number eleven. It was no, ten. It was Leo was, Barker. Leo,
2: there's a lad. Lad he used to play for us, Leo. Hee <laughs> Barker. <laughs> he he was a good lad. I like Leo. Um He's uh, He was an old member of the club. I think he lived locally just down the road, but uh, he was number 11, Dunk was number 10. It was just one of them things. And it's not the first time Dunk's been involved in a in a partnership. Oh, right. as oh, we know we'll with, that one, with, with, Eddie. with a game with Eddie where Dunk got none and they put just about 100 on, 99 or something. It was uh, incredible.
3: What kind of style were you? A bit, what do you had to describe <coughs> yourself as a batsman, then? If What, what sort of batsman were you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, dear. Um... Bang on average, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything else. In my day, I could play all right, but uh, other days, you know, just average.
1: I mean, I just remember you used to have these big giant salix pads, and there was always like, you know, you like a walking LBW. So I'm, <laughs> no, when I, no, when I'm bowling or whatever, someone comes out in big pads. You think, oh, these, I'll hit these a few times, and then everyone, when you bowl, you say, oh, big pads, big pads. Mm. You had a big pair of pads, didn't you? Yeah,
2: I think I bought them pads because. I borrowed Kev Gray's bat, I don't, know if, well, I don't know if you remember the story, but um, Kev Gray was retiring and I uh, I broke my bat just before the start of the season. And Kev Gray had got this lovely Salix bat and he said, to, do you want to borrow it for the season? And then I ended up winning the club averages with this bat. And really nice touch of Kev, this was. He actually presented me with the bat at the awards night and said that it's now yours, you can keep it, which I thought was a... Fantastic. I may I may have bought them pads because they matched my bat, but I don't know. But yeah, I, I was I was okay as a batsman. Yeah, me I was alright.
3: Have you still got the bat?
2: No, no, it's long gone. All my kit's gone, mate, I've got nothing left at all. As soon as I retired I thought this is all going in the bin, I'm not getting tired again. I've probably got um, a pair of gloves in the loft somewhere, but uh, that's about it really.
3: Right. So what, what, what year did you what year did you take over as skipper?
2: Uh I think the first year I'll join the club in ninety I had a couple of seasons uh in the ranks under kev Shiman, who was a fantastic skipper, great bloke to learn under very knowledgeable about the game, really stubborn stubborn batsman and uh when I first came i was I was just in the covers in the field and I felt a bit odd like not being in control of the team so it was about two or three years um Kev was sort of thinking about standing down so I put me threw my hat in the ring and took over about 93, 94 something like that became captain and I stayed captain for about five or six seven years and then the kids came along and I decided to give it a bit of a rest and then uh, after we had the lights I think Laney took over Rich Lane and Westy had a stint and I came back and I came back as skipper and uh, we did all right actually I really enjoyed it and uh, know, at that time I was pro- probably a bit more like the Mike brealy uh, captain, not the best player in the team, but I think personally, you know, quite good tactically. Mm. I, I've always prided myself. But what I am good at is organisation and backroom stuff and uh, organising the, you know, picking the teams, organising the everything in the background. So I used to live and breathe it. I'd be watching the weather forecast yeah. every night, you know. So.
3: so then that second time you took over, then that, how long were you, did you stay there for then? as, as
2: Not long, uh, three or four years, something like that, and then it was time to hand over to the likes of Jonesy, and Mm. um, Jonesy took over for a few years, I think, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... So
3: About eight eight years as a skipper, then?
2: Probably a bit longer, actually. Uh, Ten years, probably, all told. Something like that. So uh, we were back in Division 5, I think, Division 5 South, then, I think, now, weren't we? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it was a different uh, kettle of fish, then, but, you know, the club now in Division 3... Three South, it's the highest we've ever been, and uh, you know, all but for a, a good win we'd have, we'd have got promotion, I think. You know, and uh, that would have been a massive
3: achievement for the club. So, in all them ten years, then, who would you say are you the, the best people you've, you've captained? Yeah. And then on the flip side, who were the who were the nightmares to be <laughs> captain of?
2: Well, Terry Mason was a nightmare to be captain of. He used to be called in panic stations, Mason. He <laughs> literally, if he was in a close game. Terry would be down at third man or at first slip and he'd be saying, Richard, Richard! You know, just saying, what What could I do? I mean, I was trying my best. I was putting the best fielders in the best position, doing the bowling changes, but he'd always panic. And no matter if the game was close or, you know, you're going to win easily, Terry would panic. So he was a bit of a nightmare. But having said that, he was a great bloke to, to bring on to bowl. You know he could put it on length. Um, Daz Inwood, unbelievably difficult lad to to captain lovely lad and, and you know we get on really well but took him off from bowling he'd kick his cap all the way to the boundary and we've had some right up and down as me and Daz. but one thing i've always done is stuck to my guns you know it's it's my decision there's a captain to uh to take a bowler off or change the batting order or whatever and i'll always stick by that and i've always been my own man i I'm, I'm not been one of these people who necessarily listens to the outside influences, yes I want advice from the likes of Eddie or you know senior players but uh, yeah um, Daz was a bit of a, a character Westy, difficult because he couldn't field, you know you couldn't put him anywhere but then you go back and look at players like Adam Campion literally, where would you put him in the field, I mean I, we played a game at, uh, I think it was Little Eaton and uh, it was a second team game I was playing I think because I broke my finger and gone down to play a few games and he dropped a catch at gully we moved him to point he dropped to catch at point we moved him to cover he dropped to catch at cover and he kept going He we dropped to catch at extra cover he dropped to catch at mid off <laughs> it was just horrendous I mean how do you where would you put people like that but uh, again a lovely lad and he'd, he'd, his enthusiasm was fantastic for the game but yeah I think we had a game at Atwood didn't we Neil once where uh it was, it was the lad who dropped about nine catches in that...
1: Oh, it was uh, Adam Wadsworth.
2: Adam Wadsworth. Oh, my God. He was only a young lad. I went in the dressing room. He dropped about eight catches himself. And um, I went mad in the dressing room at, at tea time. I felt bad, really, because I shouldn't have done it. it made him cry. Yeah, uh, I probably did, but yeah, it was, it was I, was t- c- I was fuming. I was fuming. And then the other one, who who is my best mate, really, apart from Neil, uh, Kettle... We've got this love eight relationship, and uh, we, we've had some unbelievable ups- about his timekeeping. Well, what was it.
1: that story? Where was it, uh,
2: <laughs> Alverson and Bolton? Oh my god! We, we got to Alverson and Bolton, and uh, there was ten of us there. In fact, I think there was nine of us because Peter Stones yeah, was coming late. late, and uh, John was keeping. Come kick off! It was nowhere to be seen, and I rang him. I said, "You're right, John. Are you on your way? Uh, I'm just on the M1." I can't tell you what I said to him. I said, um, one, <laughs> he, he was up in some festival up in Leeds somewhere and, and he was just... Went to his haircut? No, that wasn't... He used to have his haircut in Nottingham. So, anyway, he turned up literally about, what, five or six overs in? You know, Shaft was keeping wicket. He shaft got, kept wicket, but
1: he always dropped a cat Shaft at as well, one <laughs>
2: like, of the main men. I was absolutely <laughs> fuming. I mean, we didn't have a great side back in them days. You know, you Peter Stones and Shaft keeping, and there's probably other a few or ought- no marks in there as well. To be honest with you, but for Kettle to be late, it's literally it was a nightmare. And he, he turned up. He ran into well, he didn't run. He gently walked into the pavilion. Took ages to put his kit on came sauntering out as if tomorrow would do. Uh, right, okay, uh, I'm a keeping And I went, I just went absolutely ape at him. We had a massive stand-up round in the middle of the pitch, <laughs> honestly. And uh, I thought, this is it, our friendship's out of the window here. But no, we've got this love-ape relationship and he's, he's in fact, in the end I've, I, I used to go to every game with him, we used to give each other alternate lifts and in the end I stopped doing it because I couldn't cope with it. I couldn't cope with going to pick him up and he wasn't ready, and there was a famous time when I pulled up on the drive, and he waved me in. He said, come in, come in. I thought, "Oh, well, here we go, and I walked in, and he'd got a full roast dinner on his lap. <laughs> <laughs> you know what John's like? He eats for England, and he, this roast dinner was a mountain. And he goes, it won't be long. and he's chomping away at this, and I sat there watching him eat this roast dinner, and I, I couldn't believe it, and I thought, <laughs> we're already late. I was captain. I've got to be at this ground. So anyway, he's still eating his dinner, finishes it, took his plate into the kitchen. He said, there won't be a minute. I went, where are you going now? He goes, I've just got to go and pack my kit. I went, I'm going, John, I'm going. So I left the I went and sat in the car, and he was ages. I sat on the drive, I kept turning my neck around looking for him. Anyway, he um, he came up the drive, put his kit, I'd opened the boot ready, everything was ready, opened the boot, put his kit in the boot. He goes, won't be a minute, won't be a minute. I went, what, John, what are you doing there? He goes, I'm just taking the milk in for Julie. I went, fuck the milk. <laughs> <laughs> you probably have to cut that one out of it, but that's how that's how I used to get <laughs> that's how I used to get me. I've got a bleat machine. What well, have we'll, got have got to, bleep? we'll have to we'll no, have leave that in. It's <laughs> it's a com- bad comedic bad effect, but, but yeah, so yeah, everybody thinks that me and John are at each other's throats or time, but it's friendly banter. I love him and. Uh, yeah, so he was difficult. The best people to mm-hmm. captain, um, somebody like uh, Festa was pretty good because he'd do everything for you. You know, he'd, he'd, he'd try his hardest. Um, who else? I suppose Neil, you know, he'd come on and bowl whenever you asked him to. Um, I don't think, I think Eddie's Eddie's good to captain. He, he likes to have his, you know, say his piece, and, uh, but he won't be offended if you you don't take advice so uh, yeah those sort of people have been good to captain down the years
1: and what would you say your toughest opponent would be on opposition?
2: <sighs> probably somebody like some of the overseas players that we've come, a, come up against like the fast bowlers uh, who was the one they had at Rolston it's Jamal was Jamal. it Jamil, Jamal Jamal uh, he was fast uh, um, what about
1: the one? Um, Ambry one
2: Draycott Drake Ambry yeah, I did all right against him. Actually, I didn't didn't Jones hit him on the roof of the pavilion or something? No, I think
1: I think West he did it. Yeah, we, we had we had this time at uh, oh, God, I we used know to muck you're... up we used to muck about in the changing rooms. Obviously, you can guess in uh, initiation. We, time yeah, we had well. like a pylon, and um, <laughs> for some for some reason he had the quick boy. West Indian, didn't he? Was it? What was his name? I can't yeah. think what his name. Is. He was quick. Someone will know his name. Yeah,
2: he was quick.
1: Pedro, was it Pedro? Pe- Pedro
2: de Silva was it? De Piso, yeah, Pedro de Piso. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: it. Yeah. And we we were mucking about in the changing rooms, and we had a pile on and mucking about, and then uh, a few wickets had gone down, and Jonesy could walk in out with a flat cap on, and about seventeen, eighteen, <laughs> and I was at the then? and said Jonesy, you got a flat cap on, and what happened was he
2: put his helmet on and he got crushed in all the melee. <laughs> 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 he just come out, didn't he, with a flat cap know. on it. I mean that changing room at Drake and Amory weren't the biggest anyway. No. And... Uh, all the bags were in the middle and I think Jacko was on the bottom of the pile and we just literally piled on. But is that the game where I was on the boundary or is that, that where Sherby had his, Leslie's it belt? It might have been. We, 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 Sherby's elastic went in his tree, <laughs> in his whites and so um, Leslie, his, his partner, I don't know if she's his wife at the time, but she'd got one of these women's white belts, like little thin white belts <laughs> <that the> women, <laughs> and He put that round his waist and went out with it. We had a few incidents at Draycott, to be honest mm. with you, I mean, it was that one where Mella squirted bloody salad cream in my pocket. My pocket. I was stood on the uh, balcony just having my tea and my pocket was full of salad cream. that <laughs> was Mella. And then there was that time when I was feeling at third man and I kept thinking, please don't come down. You know, when you're young, and when, when I was a kid, I loved to field and I loved the ball coming to me. But by the time I got to about 40, I just thought, don't hit the ball to me. Please don't hit the ball to me. And when I was down at third man, it was about the last ball of the match, I think. Of yeah, the it innings. Was, yeah. Last ball of the innings. And of course what they do, flicked it down to third man. I went down, long barrier, missed it completely. Ball went through me, trickling to us. I'm on all fours, crawling after the bloody ball and, and all these
3: lot are laughing. Stumps, bumps, and be a bumps. I will call upon you to do a service
2: for me. Play The Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So
3: is, is, when did you actually finish as a player then? What year did you finish as a player? I finished as a player in 2018. I'd,
2: uh, to be honest with you, I broke my ankle um, and i to have a reconstructive surgery on my ankle. But I'd, I'd finished, I'd done to be honest with you. What a sob story. I've uh... done mate. I, you know, I was. <laughs> I always said I wouldn't play beyond 50 and I, I finished a couple of years earlier than that. Um, I was doing that. My eyes are gone, my body's gone, everything's, you know, gone to pot. But breaking my ankle was a big thing. Yeah. Um, and to get it, to have it reconstructed, that was, took a lot of getting over. So, I finished playing and um, I think it coincided with um, Pete Barnett, who was the scorer, for the first team had passed away and uh, i said i'd take over a scorer and the uh, main reason for doing that was to basically stay with the lads because the one thing you miss when you retire yeah is the dressing room crack you know it's the it's the you know you miss the cricket of course you do you miss traveling to other clubs which i love meeting other people but the thing i miss the most is the crack in the dressing room and by being there as a scorer i can still experience a bit of that and see the lads on a regular basis but one thing i was said is that as i became scorer was that i wanted to have the best conditions in the scoreboard so we, we built a new scorebox we had laptop scoring and everything was digitized and um, we had an electronic scoreboard and then eventually in the last couple of years we've had the uh, camera as well the, which we live stream all of our home games so it's developed and I wouldn't have it any other way because it's an important part of the club you know and when not, we're not just there for, for, for our scorer but we're there for the opposition score as well so creating a welcoming environment for the opposition I think is massively important yeah. and that's something I love to do I love to welcome the <coughs> opposition captain, scorer, umpires and make sure they're all comfortable coming to our club as well
1: I think for any uh, welfare officer listening, I don't, I don't know what he means by the crack. I mean, I'll actually get there, <laughs> put me a bag in the corner, <laughs> probably get the Gideon Bible out, yeah, and then uh, right. yeah, sit yeah. down, and then yeah. I'll have a cup of tea, and I don't know what he's done about. Well, these days are
2: welfare and safeguarding. you do have to be a bit careful, but you know as well as I do now, we've seen some things in them, <laughs> in them dressing rooms. We've had some initiation ceremonies, and God knows what, and uh, it's just great fun, and, and it sounds daft, but playing, chase the ace, it's just fantastic when it's raining. It's just brilliant. And we have so much laughs with that sort of thing, don't we? Mm. You know, and uh, it's just the crack you have in the dressing room. And it's the same across many team sports. It must be the same in, well, I'm not sure it is in the same in football, but rugby would be probably a similar crack in the dressing room. You know, the camaraderie. It's a long day, isn't it?
1: It's a long day with each each other's pockets from 12 o'clock till probably... I mean, the sensible ones are going straight after the game, but the non-sensible ones are staying out to 12. When, yeah. we, when we was younger, we were going to town at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so yeah.
2: That's like a, every you weekend. You become a family, don't you? Yeah. I think one of the best things that, that's happened at Winslow is, back in the day when I came, started at the club, the, the club was two, almost two clubs. There was the first team and there was the second team. And never the twain shall meet. You know, They were very separate so the second team would always go they're they they a lot older to be honest with you uh like alan tonkinson and dennis eden and, and you know they were they were they were nice guys but they, they never sort of crossed over there was no sort of um camaraderie between first and second and when i became captain of the first team it coincided with dave Cook becoming captain of the second team and me and dave were mates anyway and so i think naturally the club came together a bit more and it really was a different atmosphere and we all started going out, we all started socialising a lot more together and I think the club benefited from it, to be honest with you. Yeah.
3: We've obviously got a deep love of Winslow yeah. and deep love of the club, so when you finished in 2018 became mm. the scorer, what prompted you to now be the chairman? <sighs> well, I,
2: I've always wanted um, to be involved in the running of the club, Harold Mansfield was chairman for a, a considerable amount of years and Harold did a, an amazing job as chairman, without a shadow of a doubt. He oversaw some fantastic projects. I mean, we levelled all the ground. It used to be very undulated on the outfield. We spent a lot of money levelling the ground. He was, he was responsible for that. Uh, we had a new pavilion, which was a national lottery grant, so we demolished the old pavilion. That was a fantastic time, knocking the old pavilion down. It was it, real fun. And then Harold oversaw the building of the new pavilion, so he did a great job i would have some personal issues it's without you know question and it was getting to the stage where we'd almost i think come to a a bit of a hiatus with the club we we weren't going up and we weren't going down we were just plateaued and I, i'd got designs on the club going a little bit further and wanting to you know better us both on and off the field and so i put my hat in the ring for for chairman and uh after a couple of years it, it became to pass that i was chairman and uh yeah, it was a quite a shock to the system, to be honest with you, when I first took over, because at the AGM I was voted in and I suddenly realised I've got to run this meeting now. And uh, luckily I'd done a usual bit of preparation, so it went all right. And I think since that time, I think, what, in the last seven, eight years, I think it's been, six years, the club's really gone from strength to strength. And it's not down to me, it's down... Uh, to all the volunteers, you know, people in the background, uh, the Dunks of this world, Ian Livingstone's, the grounds team, captains, it's, you know, it just needs somebody to direct that a little bit, really, and, and to force it, force it along. But um, the club's, I think, now in probably the best state it's ever been in, playing-wise, off the field, financial. Um, having the bar's been amazing for us, um, I look after the bar now and that's been showing profit of ten grand in the last couple of years. And uh, it's going from strength to strength. We just need to get a bit more volunteers and a bit more outside people, if you like, parents of juniors, yeah. wives, girlfriends, you yeah. know, involved in the club a bit more, not the the usual suspects. Because most clubs have this, they have the usual suspects that do everything at the club. And I just want to widen the, the volunteer base a little bit to... Uh, to try and get more people doing some of the work. And that's one of the reasons we're trying to change the structure of the club from a, a flat top structure with about 13 of us cronies on the committee down to subcommittees that look after the playing side, the ground, facilities... Um, and and basically a selection committee as well. So hopefully that will go through in the next few months.
3: Yeah. I was going to say that then. As, as, as chairman, what aspirations have you got for the club? Where, where do you see the club moving? Where do you want it to go? Yeah,
2: well, uh, junior cricket is the key, to be fair, and we've got to continually backfeed the junior cricket. So if we've got a regular influx of juniors, and then they can go on to, to first of all, hardball cricket and then seniors um then that's that's where we should be but to develop the club the all-stars and dynamos has been a massive boom for us we've gone from i think liver would tell you this we've gone from half a dozen juniors several years ago and we've got over 80 juniors now we've got a, a fully a functioning women's team playing softball and hopefully they'll develop on and then this next season 2023 we'll be introducing a third team um i hope it goes well you know i think uh, it's going to be a challenge, uh, but it'll hopefully bring some of the players on that, some of the juniors that need some first team, sorry, need some senior cricket. Uh, so, the club's in a great state. My ambition is to have the first team in Division Two and the second team in Division Four, and to to lessen that gap between the two teams because if you do that, it, it's not so much of a jump when second teamers have to come into the first team. And all equally if play if first team has dropped down it's not playing to a lower level of cricket that's you know they're going to stay interested you know if they're playing more competitive cricket so we've got first team in, in three we've got uh, second team in six and we're gonna have the third team in division 9 ten, 10 I think it's 10 I think it is yeah so they'll be playing on an artificial pitch which is not ideal in my opinion but it's a start and uh, we'll strive to look for a, a, a ground with a real real
1: turf pitch when, if and when we can. A bit of a, a link back to um, this podcast though. Yeah. Uh, we, me and Rich decorated the <laughs> the kitchen. Yeah. We had a new kitchen in COVID times and me and Rich decorated and that's why I come with the idea of this podcast. Uh, it was a bit like uh, Twiggy and uh, Jim Royal, weren't we? We were a bit, Painting. Uh, painting the thing and then... was
2: so it we'll, Mambo number five? Yeah, we'll, we'll have a
1: podcast. we <laughs> Mambo. Yeah. <laughs> but if... Uh, Professor didn't listen to this, we was two metres apart at all times. So we were, we never... We never to this. Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, Neil's right. We, In we, the data. I think we were both on furlough at the time, yeah. and uh, we'd had the new pavilion, the redecoration to the tea room and kitchen and everything, and so me and Neil decided that we'd spend a couple of weeks down there. And as you do, you get talking that you Neil, and uh, we'd heard Anton... Uh, Anton uh, from... Williams. Yeah, he'd done one, he does I'm one. With, yeah,
1: but want, it? Bert and one,
2: didn't he? Does Bert and one. And Neil said, have you listened to Anton?" I? said, I'd not listened to it, but I did. And he said, why, why don't we have a go at doing something? So we downloaded a bit of software and I had a play and recorded something, put a bit of music on it. It was crap, basically, to be honest with you. And uh, then we both went back to work and the idea was shelved and we didn't really mention it again. And then suddenly Livo, I think six, eight months later, said, what about a podcast? I said, ah, don't steal our thunder, Liv, we, we've already come up with this, so we will stake taken a claim to it, and the rest is history, really. And
1: yeah, we banged Rick, and that was the end of that. Yeah, so and we kn- we, we, knew we, <laughs> yeah,
2: we knew we couldn't do it without Rick, so Rick does all the technical stuff, and uh, we're sat in his studio now, so it's uh, it's it's gone well, and who'd have thought, you know, 12 months down the line we'd be where we are, because I think when we, if you listen back to the, some of the first ones, <laughs> They, were, they weren't great, but I think we were all in a different place then we were not as confident and uh, yeah, it's, it's good. I mean we've met some great people along the way. I mean Neil, Neil's favorite um, Wayne Madsen, who he loves. You know we met Mickey Arthur, which is fantastic to, to be in his company and listen to his views on cricket. And to be honest with you, they're not that dissimilar to the way we, we go about stuff. It's just on a different level and this is what i'm on about with the crack in the dressing room the england lads they have the same crack in the dressing room as we do they just get paid mega bucks for it you know but they're always they're all messing about they're having a crack they're having a beer you know and and that's what's great about cricket is is that that leveler on that that uh, you know in the dressing room
1: i mean back to the score box though where what's your view from the score box watching us what's it like because <coughs> you mentioned pete and he used to shout yeah. at you to your out yeah, yeah. something. And Kev Gray used to yaw about and yeah. I mean I bowled at Andy Addy once, so he kept saying you're <laughs> bowling his bloody arc. Yeah. Well, he's six foot seven. I couldn't get, I couldn't yeah. get
2: it out of his arc. Yeah. You, you're quite
1: calm. I don't
2: do that. I, inside, I'm I'm frustrated sometimes when I think a fielding change should be made, or we should squeeze the opposition when a new batsman comes in. And I, I will say something, but I'll say it quietly to Clarkey afterwards. I, I don't believe that is a score. I should be roping <laughs> from from the on the score but absolutely <laughs> Kev Gray used to be terrible and I, I think we, we played at Drake Club. Kev Gray was one of the first people ever to score on a laptop and we played at Drake Club, and uh, I think Neil you were playing for Drake Club. Kev turned up with his laptop plugged it in extension lead and Dave Taylor was batting and for some reason unbeknown to me I was keeping wicket and Dave Taylor for some reason he didn't like Kev Gray very much <laughs> and I kept saying Dave Dave it is laptop. It's a six. It is laptop, and he was getting that frustrated. And I stumped him. I stumped him in the end, and he come down the pub afterwards, down the sump. And I just kept imitating, stumping him all night, and it really got to him. But uh, now Kev Gray was always shouting from the from the score box, wasn't he? Uh, but I'm not. I don't. I don't want to do that. I, I, my job is to keep quiet and uh, build a rapport with the umpires, which I like doing. Uh, I'm doing all my scoring qualifications at the minute. So hopefully I've got ambitions to score at a bit higher level, but that's going to take a while, you know, uh, but I'd like to do that. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. My favourite one was Pete when he shouted, uh, left and right-hander, someone used to be on his leg, he'd go, left-hander, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> he, he knew it uh, he left well, left-hander, <laughs> but left-hander.
2: Pete was a fantastic character. I mean, in his day, what a player, I mean he took 100 wickets in a season and that's how he got his nickname, Tondo Um, I don't know if anybody knows this but he worked down the pit, I think it was Cadley and uh, they all had the helmets that went down the pit with and uh, when he got his 100th wicket somebody wrote "ton Up on his uh, his helmet and that got smudged and it looked like Tondo so his, his nickname became Tondo and, uh, yeah, a, a great bloke, Pete. What a character. Stumps,
3: bumps, and a
2: bumps. Super over. So, Super Over,
1: what's your favourite ground?
2: Favourite ground is um, Kensington Oval, Barbados. Absolutely amazing place. Nice. Especially um, back in 1991 when I first went, it was a proper ground, not the concrete jungle it's become. Favourite batter? Favourite batter, David Gower. Favourite bowler? Without a shadow of doubt, Neil Winfield. My very, very little friend and funny man. Oh, and you're me in make, again. Making me blush. Great bowler. You're in again, Neil. You right. can bring Neil on at any crisis and he'll, he'll keep the opposition quiet. <laughs> cause a <of> crisis. Yeah, <laughs> cause a <of> crisis. Uh, <laughs> Favourite tipple? Uh, any real ale, none of this Ponzi lager rubbish.
1: Tea item of choice?
2: Well, I, I, I had come up with the usual Battenberg, but to be honest with you, I do quite like a, a tuna and mayo sandwich on brown, to be honest with you. Yeah, we'll stick with that.
1: Tuna sandwich on brown? Who sees that? Anyway. Yeah, well, uh, I, yeah,
2: everybody's different, Neil.
1: Sporting hero, cricketing or otherwise. Cricketing
2: or otherwise, Eric Cantona. End of story. <laughs>
1: Ooh-la-la. La. <laughs> there you go.
2: Ooh-la-la. La. Super over. Stumps,
1: stumps, and be a bump. Well, I just I just thought about this now. We played away at Sut- Sutton Bonington um one it was like, really hot, really hot to s- yeah. Sunday. And um, yeah when they bring the squash out, Pete was wearing like these blue shorts <laughs> from, like, and like 1970s, <laughs> like right up the eye up. Yeah. <laughs> it was that bloody hot, it goes bloody on my legs are burning, my legs are burning and he poured all squash squash over his legs to cool, <laughs> to cool them down. Next week now, they've gone
2: all sticky, all you know, fucking bees and what's all around his
1: legs. Well, he
2: used to put off liniment on all the time. He used to stink the... <laughs> when, <laughs> when he was playing, he used to uh, stink the changers out with his liniment. But there was a famous game where we played it, Trentside. Do you remember when um, Pete was actually... I was captain, and Pete was working shifts, and he turned up a bit late. It was about an hour after the start. And I'm not sure he should have come on to bowl, but I brought him on to bowl, and he got about six wickets. Anyway, uh, last man coming for uh, for Trent side. It was Gordy Brake. Do you remember it now? Yeah. And in them days, and I think it still happens. The sun drops down behind the sight screen at Trent at Trent side, and uh, Gordy Brake said, "I can't see, I can't see the suns in my eyes." Anyway, Pete says to him, "Gordy, back from memory." Pete ran in. Middle stump caught, we were out of the ground. He went, wrong memory. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny, but the, the funniest thing, and I, I probably, it's a bit of a dark humour this one. We went to Pete's funeral and he passed away, didn't we? And uh, it was a good, good turnout from the club, Harold, myself, Nigel, and a lot of other players, Terry, and um, we sat in the crematorium and uh, the vicar did his bit, said his piece, and uh, Just as the curtains... He said, we now dedicate, Pete's body, da-da-da. And uh, just as the curtains started to close in the crematorium, somebody's phone went off. And it went, wah, wah, wah. Anyway, it was just like, what do you do now? West is sat next to him. He's laughing his head off, but trying not to out loud. And his his shoulders are going up and down. Marie Mansfield, Harold's wife, turned to Nigel and says, let it all out, Nigel. Let it all (laughs) out. She thought he was crying. But this thing, wah wah wah, just a most inappropriate time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to mention that, well, yeah, but it was funny.
3: Well, Jackie, it's about you, isn't it? We're just going to go, just bad silly bad. stories. Yeah. yeah so I was actually going to say, um, what are some of your favourite memories that, from your playing days?
2: My playing days, well, I, I think just starting cricket, full stop, was was great. Me and my brother used to play in the backyard we used to have a game where we used to throw a tennis ball over the house and the back window went in a number of times, to be honest with you. I remember my dad mending that on a number of occasions. I think it was my dad who got me into cricket, which is a great memory as well. It, he, he wasn't a player as such, but he always liked his cricket. And uh, we we were up at Gresley Old Hall one day. We'd been to play football, I think. I was only about seven and... Uh, Tony Freeman from Freeman Travels, what they used to run Newton Sony Cricket Club, and knew me mum and dad, and uh, they were one short. And he said to me, "Dad, uh, do, you had, uh, do you fancy uh, fancy playing for us today?" Anyway, he went in with his, just his flared jeans on and uh, with his trainers, green flash or whatever they were, and he got thirty in about two overs. I was quite amazed by this, and I think that sparked me interest, and I then started to watch cricket on the telly because obviously it was on BBC in those days. You know, you could watch every every test match really. And I remember when I was about eleven I had a little transistor radio and I used to listen to the ashes. I used to listen to the ashes from Australia at midnight and my mum used to come up and say, Switch that, so, you know, get get to bed at school tomorrow But I'd be listening to the to the test match from Australia. And then playing with my brother as well was a was a great thing, you know, uh, back in the day and we both enjoyed playing for Swan and then when I left and came to Winsor, Tim joined me the following year. And he he could have been a a, a real good player for Windsor, but he, he stopped after a few years. I think he discovered uh, women and all that sort of thing, so <laughs> he left really. And uh, yeah, I do miss that. But all uh, the good memories—it's uh, just the people I've played with. We've had some good times and we've had some bad times. To be honest with you, we've had we've lost some players down the years. Um, some great friends. You know people like Matt Elson, who we all miss terribly, and Steve Simpson and Alan George, who've just been big parts of my life, and uh, you know they're no, no longer with us, and that's a sad thing. But you temper that with all the great memories that we've had, the funny times, the stag do's we've been on, which you can't really mention, and the great nights out, and uh, yeah, just just good times, just good times. Are you crying? I'm not crying. No. <laughs> <laughs> I could shed a tear,
1: Uh-oh.
3: yeah. So, obviously, your favourite memories. Let's go Let's go back then and say what are some of your favourite performances?
2: For me or for F- other people? For
3: you, start so with you. What's your favourite performance?
2: <coughs> well, like I've ma- mentioned I've the, the favourite. I mean, uh, getting 100 uh, in 2009 was, you know, I'd never wanted to finish cricket by not getting a 100. and It doesn't matter what level you play, but, Getting 100 a hundred is a good achievement in cricket, and we—I was—it uh, was 2009, um, so I was getting towards the end of my career. You know, I'd only got another uh, five, six, seven, eight years to go, and uh, it was the end of the season, and I'd had a crap season, to be honest with you. I was captain, and we played Lullington. I think it was Division Five. I think now one ten. Uh, we decided to reverse the batting order, so me and Cattle opened the batting, and. Uh, all the lads had a sweep on who'd get the ice score and all this sort of thing. And we, we put 80-odd on for the first wicket. And uh, John got out, Fester came in, he got one. I was on about 60 by this time. And Eddie came in, he goes, Rich, we're going to get you to your 100. I think we were chasing just under 200, I think. And um, I was on about 60, and it was a struggle. Those last few, <laughs> I was knackered. The last few runs were... A real struggle, and uh, I managed to get it, hundred and two not out. And I've actually I've got a little prop with me today. I've got the actual ball here. It's good, good radio. This good pod. This isn't yeah. it. Yeah. I've got the actual ball here, which I hit that hundred and two with.
1: he vote on it.
2: Yeah. Eddie, Eddie wrote on it for me. So it says, Rich Mars, hundred and two not out versus Lullington in the league, Sunday the thirteenth of September two thousand and nine, and that's the actual ball. So that's something I treasure.
3: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. It,
2: it's no matter what level you play. Uh, you know, to get hundred is is you know right up yeah. there. I think. So yeah, it's I, I, to be honest with you, I have got a couple of scores in the nineties. I got ninety six in a friendly against Lullington not long after joining the club. Actually, uh, I got caught by some old chap in the covers. I don't think he'd even know. <laughs> is that
1: pre, that's pre-play cricket? Pre-play right, cricket, yeah. Right. yeah so well, 102,
2: 86, 73, 68 yeah. and 64. Yeah, there's a couple of 90s in there. There's probably a few more 70s. No, no, but no, no, no. there is now. <laughs> Believe it or not, you are talking about my bowling. I did actually get a hat-trick. What? <laughs> <once. laughs> yeah. It was a very windy day and I played at Whittick for SWAD and it was a Wednesday night and we played in this T20 game. It's, and I came steaming in off my test match run-up. And I did get hat-trick. Is this at Swad? It was at Whittick, 4 oh, right. Swad. yeah. It was a horrible day. It, I think I was bowling-wise, but the wind was blowing back.
1: <laughs> I mean, the best way to describe it is bowling. It's like... yeah, terrible. The bloke off the actual test match game, or the, the thing you put mm. on the carpet. It's yeah. like a thing, like a seesaw arm, isn't it, where it just goes like... Yeah, like that. Like uh, fingers and the
3: yeah, cup, the cup comes over it's the top. It's just like that. I, no, can't, I, just can't can't I, can't, I just can't bowl. I it's just
2: can't bowl. It's
1: a coordination it's, thing. We can't
3: space. do everything now, can we?
1: No, but it's just, just people can't. I yeah. don't know why
2: well, it's coordination. I don't know, but I, it says I've got 48 catches on uh, play I took that in mean, one bloody season, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I've looked at this. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, 48. Well, uh, people vilify nah. me for my catching, and, and I think latterly in my career it's true because I was awful. But early on, I catch everything, and I had a, a right arm on me as well. Not not as good as people like Barry Amon, who could throw it miles. But I did have an arm on me, and as I say, I wanted the ball to come to me in them days. And I catch anything. I would l- literally catch anything. I
1: mean, from two thousand two. All oh, right. two thousand fifteen, <laughs> your best season was ten catches.
2: Mm. I won. The, I won the Fielder of the Year in that man. When? I did have got on the name on the trophy. Well, what
1: in this time? Before scale?
2: that, no. Before that, look, it's not all. We should have this thing. At a, what is it? Before play cricket. Aids. And, <laughs> no, I was going to say AD or BC before play cricket and after play cricket. Should have all that. BPC. Whatever it it works out to be, but uh, so I've got. A, I'm probably on a par with you on catches, to be honest with you. awesome. Oh, I am rubbish.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Well, Well, I'm not going. I'm not going through this.
2: Well, you normally From 2002
1: do. to 2015. you weren't going through it. You got 48. I took 48 in three seasons. Well, well in, done, in the well same period.
2: Yeah, Well done. Behind my back. Yeah. Well, it's now coming home to roost to head people like Eddie, you see. Eddie could catch everything. Now what's happening? He's dropping inexplicable catches. I'm not having a go at him because he's one of the best I've ever seen, but, you know.
3: That brings me nicely, then, to, say, on, to say to you, obviously 30 years. Yeah. Watching and playing crow well, or longer than thirty years, watching and playing cricket. Thirty years yourself within Winslow, yeah. Um, captain now, chairman. How has the game changed? Oh. You, overlooking it as a, as a scorer, looking yeah. at the game now. How, how's the game changed from when you were playing to now as a sort of spectator scorer? Well,
2: seeing seeing him in the third in third division, it's much more competitive. I mean, we were competitive. You know, I, I was. I consider myself to be quite aggressive on the field and. I could I could mix it with the best of them, but I'm always a person who, when I come off the field, I'll shake anybody's hand and I'll have a beer with them. But on the field, I can I could be a right prat sometimes. I know that. But I think the the level of cricket they're playing now is is quite competitive, um, and the standards of um, fielding are better. Um, I don't think there's much in it, to be honest with you, but certainly. You know, the way that everybody's got their own kit. I mean, we used to have a kit bag. You know, we used to go, have you got any pads? Can I borrow your pads? And can I borrow your bat? Mm. Everybody's got their own kit nowadays. I mean... As big as it, a kit bag. Yeah. I mean, we used to have a kit bag, and I used to keep it as captain, and it had probably six pairs of pads in, three or four bats, three or four pairs of gloves, no helmets in them days. Everything in a kit bag. Nobody had their own kit now. Everybody rocks up with the best kit in the world, 300-pound bats. I mean that's the way it should be, um, but I like the developments that have come along uh, for digital scoring on on laptops. Um, some of the scorers are, are traditionalists and they they will never they come to me and say I'll never score on a laptop. Well, I think that's you know they've got to be careful in saying stuff like that because it's got to come. You know, we can we can live feed our our score not only just the scorecard, but the, now the the video feed with the camera, and it's been a massive boon. Pa- Paul Winter suggested we get the camera, and uh, it's it's been one of the best ideas we've had. Uh, it took a bit of setting up, but um, it's a lot of people are inquiring about it now, and I think 2023 will see quite a few more clubs get the camera. I've had a few inquiries personally for me to help them out, which I will do. And, um, yeah, so I think that's changed. You know, the way that cricket's become more of a professional looking outfit, I mean we just used to rock up 25 years ago and uh, turn up, can somebody score You know, where's the umpire and that sort of changes well, proper umpires, proper scorers and uh, it's just more professional
3: Do you think with being more professional it's become probably a bit too serious now?
2: I hope not, <coughs> I hope not mate mm. because I think uh, everybody wants to win but I think when at all costs has never been my mantra. Um, I do like a laugh, you know, and I think what brings us together socially is cricket and uh, that's, brought out, that's brought some fantastic friends down the years, not just at Winsor, but around the clubs. I, I love going to new clubs, I love going to away grounds and I like engaging with the opposition captains and the players. A lot of them know me now. Um, so you know, I think I wouldn't want it to become too serious from my point of view, and I hope we always play with a smile on our face. And yes, play aggressively, play hard, but when you walk off that field, shake hands, you know, and, and have a have a laugh and have a chat. There's always bound to be somebody you don't get on with, there always is in life. But I think the majority of people that we we come against, Winstler, we're not we're not a nasty team. I think most people get on with us. And I like to promote that within the club as well.
3: Stumps, bumps, bumps. Going back, are there any um, performances that from from other players that have really stood out for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, seeing Corcoran bowl for Michelover, he's been mentioned a lot on this podcast, but I think he's an athlete, I think he's a cracking player. Uh, Preston, Kieran Preston, huge scores. Uh, but going back down the years, um, who was the lad, Neil, at um Meths? Oh, Thurwell, Neil, Thurwell, Thurwell. Neil Thurwell, he was a cracking player, you know, and uh, but our own Eddie Moore um, his performance is he's a proper batsman you know, it, it's been said before but he'll come in, he'll, he's great to bat with, most people in the team will say he's great to bat with because he just has this calmness about him where, it doesn't always happen but he has this calmness about him where you know, he'll read a situation perfectly and he might not score quickly, he might have 40 off 70 balls and then suddenly he's got 100 off 100 balls you know so and he can read a game and he can take us to a victory so eddie's been a, a great player i've known eddie since he was nine years old and when he was used to be a tory boy uh, i've known him for a long while and uh, i've seen him grow and develop and, into what he is now so all the players i mean there's been so many you know people like dave Oates, Orowis, Tommo, tomo some of the tutbury lads going back years Matt McGibbon all these players that you come up against uh, it's too too numerous to mention really but it, it, and you still see them now and you will still track up a conversation with them that's what's great about local cricket I think
3: Have you got any sort of regrets for you through what you've done and now, <coughs> now as chairman are, are, are there any regrets anything that could have happened that hasn't or things that have happened that you possibly regret effectively
2: um, I, I don't tend to regret things to be honest with you because I think it's a wasted energy Um There's things you may do differently, but I think if you regret anything, you know, I'd rather just get on with it. Things have happened that I don't like. As I say, we've lost people that I wish we hadn't, but they they make you the person you are, and I think they give you life experiences. So I don't regret anything. You know, um, I just look forward. I'm now working in cricket. You know, I'm getting paid to work in cricket. I've always said that I wanted a job in cricket, and I, I did have a job in cricket for many years, but I didn't get paid for it. But now I'm working for Staffs Cricket as a community and club development officer, and I absolutely love it. And it's getting me involved every day with clubs that I already know, but more importantly, clubs that I'm beginning to learn about as well. Clubs up in Walsall, um, Wolverhampton, Sandwell, East Staffs, South Staffs, all over that I'm getting to know. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm getting paid to play to. Well, I was going to touch
3: on that. I was going to obviously you know, your, your job at Stats Cricket. What what is it that you do there? What's what's your role within Stats? Yeah, well, I,
2: my role is club and uh, community development officer. I look after about fifty to sixty clubs um, and their requirements around club mark, safe hands, so all the uh, the legal mandatory requirements that are involved in running a club. I organise the cup competitions for the juniors, so the county cup, under elevens, under thirteens, under fifteens. That's just being organised at the minute Uh, I organise an under 1900 competition which culminates in a a finals week in August and September uh, this year under floodlights at uh, JG Meakin Cricket Club in Stoke and I also organise the English Schools Cricket Association tournaments that's part of my job as well and I'm heavily into that at the minute, getting everything ready sounds early because it's still a long way to go to the start of the season but you know, things have a tendency to creep up on us, so I'm doing a lot of preparation at the moment. So visiting clubs, going to them to meet, we have development group meetings, so going to meetings in the evenings, meeting the clubs, meeting the members, advising them, you know, and because I've got 30-odd years' experience, I've I've got a lot a lot of empathy with them, you yeah. know. So you're sort of doing your dream job, really, then? Uh, yeah, I suppose dream job would be playing for England, but... <laughs> <laughs> I was never good enough to play for Winslow. I never mean, mind about playing for England.
3: <laughs> yeah. So have heavily into cricket then. We're obviously coming sort of towards the end of, of talking to you, Rich. It's been superb. But I think we're going to go sort of true to form then. Mm-hmm. And whether you've thought about it or not, I You probably have asking many, many people the same questions. Yeah. So let's put you in the uh, stump pumps and beer pumps six-a-side competition. Yep. So we're going to pick your six players. You need two batsmen, two bowlers. A keeper an all-rounder yeah and
2: a coach or well, a coach as well we're well, going for a coach wiki,
3: as we've said before you can either coach it or play yourself No, i'm
2: not playing myself mate i, I can't run around the six side field he's uh, <laughs> a bit beyond me mate to be honest with you so
3: we'll but i've
2: i've you know true to form i've thought about this and i am going to go for an all winsell six side okay. i haven't come up with this coach yet but an i will old, an all
3: time winsall all time Winsel, modern, winsel
2: okay. the, the people i've played with so my, my two batsmen uh, and I've already mentioned these, is Terry Mason and Eddie Moore. OK. They will be the two batsmen. Uh, Terry being able to bowl as well, uh, um, so that'll be good. Bowler, Neil Winfield. Oh, you're in, Neil. He's got to be in. Winsor Goat. And the other bowler that I'd have in there, he'd run through. Well, he'd, he'd do anything for you Alan George, great person and somebody who I, I, I miss tremendously. He'd be my, my uh, second bowler and also could bat as well. And uh, all-rounder, Anthony Adams, brilliant cricketer and my wicket keeper there's only one Sam Wood just natural with the gloves and and a destructive batsman when he wants to be and I'll coach him why not I'll give him I'll give him the tactics
3: fantastic it's been absolutely superb rich chatting to you it really has I've really enjoyed it lads it's been different hasn't it it has been different I was actually going to just say though obviously all the podcasts we've done what's your favourite one Who's who have you enjoyed talking to the most I really enjoyed talking to Mickey Arthur. Wayne Madsen was
2: our first, I think he was the first pro- proper player we interviewed, wasn't he, Neil? And the thing with Wayne, he was very gracious, very gracious. I've said this before, but he walked in the room, we were in the media centre at Derby, and he walked in the room and there was there was me, you, me, Rick, Neil and Livo, and I introduced everybody once. I just said, this is Rick, this is Nick. We had him for an hour and a half, and at the end of the interview he went thanks rick thanks now and i thought i was sheer class to be honest with you that, that he remembered our names i say mickey arthur's right up there i did enjoy the the dunstall podcast with uh, james and uh, martin on that was a good one um and i've quite i've quite liked listening to the sort of views of some of the other winsall lads so you don't normally hear a lot of the likes of james johnson and uh, Lee Gunton, who I thought came across very well and some of the tactics that they talked about they're obviously cricket lads you know and they know the stuff so it's good to know that we've got those sort of people at the club yeah
3: fantastic well we'll we'll let you crack on yeah. obviously a true Winsor legend
2: <laughs> I don't know about that' we, we, can't,
3: we can't say goat but I think I think I think a legend comes yeah. you know Thirty, 30 years plus. Player, chairman. Yeah, it's a bit like this is your life, really. But like Have you song. got a red
1: ball? No, I've got a red ball. Eddie's vote on. Is <laughs> something turning the uh, Yeah, it's been good. Um, what can we say? To, what can we say about it? I mean, you might your well sign off of it. It's your famous saying there. I mean, oh, I don't know how this uh, has
2: come about. Yeah, back, back like to that. this. You've got, you're like, you've got your own uh, <laughs> catchphrase. <you've laughs> got got catch catch you yeah. now. I don't know. I, I can't think how I, I ever said it for the first time, to be honest with you. But I suppose I better say it again. Ciao, brethren.
3: <laughs> Cheers,
2: Rich. Cheers, lads. Thank Rich.
3: you. Stumps, umps, and be a bumps. Absolutely super. Thanks for that, Rich. It was really great having you on. It was great to talk to you, and it was nice you were able to come on and have a chat with us. Right, so just to let you know, Winter Nets is getting closer and closer. Nets will be starting on Monday nights, starting February the 6th, down at Pingle School. Uh, juniors will kick off proceedings on the night at, from 7.30 till 8.30. All help with the juniors will be gratefully received, I'm sure. Uh, and then seniors will take over 8.30 till 9.30. So get your kit bags out the shed. Hopefully all your gear is free from mouse debris. Uh, just ask Eddie what that's like. He's quite the expert. <laughs> so get yourselves down 6th of Feb, loosen up your limbs and get your muscles ready and get ready for the 2023 season and Nets is underway. So that's Monday nights, 6th of February. It all starts down at Pingle School. So get yourselves down there. Also, we've got a quick mention, anyone wishing to sign up, any juniors, any new seniors, any ladies wishing to join the club, then uh, or any All-Stars want to get signed up for the coming season, make that case, stop thinking about it, if you should do it or not. Just get it done. Just send any inquiries to winselcc 1881 at gmail.com. Uh, someone will respond to you and point you in the right direction, and we will get you playing. So, thanks to Richard, thanks to Neil, myself. So, until next time... Stump, stump, stump. So that's all we've got time for for this edition of Stumps, Umps, and Beer Pumps. Thank you to our special guest today. If you know someone at your club that wishes to come and have a chat with us and talk about your club, then please email us on stumps, Umps, and beer Pumps at gmail.com. Also please like and subscribe and also you can follow us on Twitter. If you've got any questions, any stories or any funny anecdotes, then please again email us on stumps, Umps, and beer Pumps at gmail.com. We hope you've enjoyed our tour around club cricket life. So please join us again for more of the same. Thank you very much for listening. This is Stumps, Umps, and Beer Pumps. So until next time, there's your one for the over. Stumps, umps, and Beer Pumps. Sports Social
0: Podcast Network.